Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to View with Michael G, the show of life, the show of Fugazi, Mescal, Great Burgers, Food, France, and so much more. With today's guest, the owner operator of the High Tower, Austin, one of my favorite restaurants in town, Mr. Chad Dolezal. It's been an incredible journey for Chad as a guitar player, as a touring musician, moving to France to really dive into food. It's a really great tale, and it's good to finally sit down and chat. With Chad, we, in a sense, I'd consider us kindred spirits, and it was brilliant to finally get a chance to sit and just talk about life and get to hear Chad's tale. Of course, the food at the High Tower is some of the best in town. It's reasonably priced. The cocktails are good, and it is the vibe that you exactly want on the east side of Austin to enjoy just a lovely meal. So I can't speak highly enough of the High Tower, and no, I am not getting paid to say this. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Chad Dolezal. Honestly, completely. I mean, it's one of those things where, I mean, I think we still have the same spirit about what we wanted to do. Yeah. But legitimately, you know, you're talking about kids. I mean, I signed the lease on the high tower in four hours after my kid was born. Holy shit, are you kidding me? In the maternity ward waiting room. And then we was it one of those e-file things? No, no I had a, I had a realtor you had, there. Oh it my was, god, it was super. Incredible. It was it was our landlord's realtor, so it was. I mean, it was pretty funny. It was hilarious. I mean, thinking back on it, it was absolutely stupid. Yeah. But we had just negotiated for six months. It was the third spot we had looked at. And, and you know, you go through these processes and you get beat down a little bit, and finally right. everything came together. And I mean, obviously, my child being born supersedes it quite sure. a bit but it's one of those <laughs> things where it was like okay so we can hit the ground running and the idea behind the the high tower was take a what we saw as a very northern idea i mean i spent some time in portland oregon and going okay you know and, and we taking some trips up to chicago and just talk to different people and going what if your neighborhood bar happened to be a restaurant that you love too right and so that's what our drive was with the high tower. We we're like bare bones. We, I mean, we had no money, so we had the luxury of not being able to spend any. So it was <laughs> like, that kind of took care of itself. I mean, my wife did a lot of design for it that we just couldn't afford to do. Right. I mean, we couldn't afford to buy art. We couldn't. I mean, I mean, thank God that we know Graham, yeah. who off you know made us a hell of a deal on what originally was our only piece of artwork, this big fucking mural that we had in the back. And other than that, there was nothing. And and so we were like, okay, it doesn't matter. We're a bar. We're gonna put out kind of barish food. Like right. our opening menu was, you know, beer cheese soup with carnitas and, and things like that. I mean, things that I still love. But you know, and I, I mean I'm sure you've seen this too as a business owner. I mean, it's a lot of what you do, or I think a lot of what I have to do now is reactionary to people that come in. That's I don't right, I mean yeah. I would love it to live in 
Chad world. Yeah. Yeah. You know where it goes. <laughs> I guess. Cool. We're doing everything right. People love this. And some people, a, a lot of what happened at the beginning of the high tower, especially the first six months were, you know, we'd come from El Arbol, which was a, 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 a much higher price point than we ever wanted to be. And right. part of what we did with the high tower, at least what I did, I won't, I won't, drag Vic down with me. Um, but it, part of what I did was very reactionary to Larval. I was like, I want to be the anti, uh, you know, kind of style over substance right, or just right. grand restaurant. And not that there's anything wrong with so, those So it, was that the, the effect of how you severed that relationship? Or was it merely like, I'm just, my palate is done with this kind of aesthetic of restaurant. I need to do something different. Both. I mean, towards the end of El Arbol, I mean, Vic, who's my business partner now, was my boss. Oh, okay. and, and I mean, what worked out, I mean, and that's, we decided probably, eh, probably four months before El Arbol closed that we were, we wanted to do something different. I was just a little beat down. It was a lot of, I mean, having an owner that had certain expectations, which all owners do and all owners sure. have the right to, they should. Right. And if they were just different than my own. And it was a lot of make sure it's appealing to this crowd versus this crowd. And my background just through my life is appealing to every crowd as, right. I mean, that feels kind of cliche as I say it, but it's the truth. And that's what Vic and I started talking about. Accessibility like, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah, accessibility. Yeah. Right. There you go, that's way better put. And. uh and th that's what we were looking at. We we're like, why don't we just get away from this? You yeah. know, I don't want to worry about a freaking $60 steak on the menu. I want to worry about a $16 steak on the right, menu right. and make it creative and, 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 you know, just hope that it's good. And so, you know, with the high tower, that's how we started. We're like, we're going to be a bar. People love it. Everyone loves bars. And, uh, we were, I mean, we were wrong. And I mean, and basically we were wrong in the sense that people would walk in and we knew exactly what we wanted to be. We had a hard time articulating it. Mm -hmm. I mean, including to our PR company who did the best they could. Uh, and But it was just one of those things where people would walk in and they go, well, this isn't this isn't that nice. They're like, no, it's a bar. Oh. And they go, well, you know, you don't have, you know, I mean, when, when the high tower opened, we had paper roll up napkins. I mean, it was, it was bare bones. Right, right. And I mean, somewhat intentional, somewhat, Budgetary, added, yeah, added yeah, 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 necessity, right? Yeah. yeah, and but it was really, I mean, we were happy with where we we're at, and I can't, I can't lie or deny that. And you know, we were proud of what we did, but a lot of people just came in. They're like, okay, you're either not enough bar or not enough restaurant. We're like, crap, like this is, you know. And when I was living in Portland, that's what where we went, you know. And I had buddies in Chicago. I talked to them, and we yeah. went up and visited them. And that's what they a lot were. And and that's not to say people in Austin didn't get it. I mean, if there's any fault, it's our own. And, you know, it's just a matter of pushing kind of what you want. And so basically, I think it's six to eight months, you know, you, you take a long look inward and you go, sure. okay, you know, am I in this, did I build a clubhouse for myself or did I build a place exactly, that I yeah. want people to enjoy? And the answer, I think, unless you're a dickhead, is always... <laughs> A place for people to enjoy. Well, that's 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 the thing is that you make a product. It starts because you want to make something for yourself. Yeah, you're, oh, you're yeah, patting sure. yourself on the back. Now, yeah. not to be too grandiose about it, but that's kind of how it is. It's a creative nod to yourself, right? Yeah. So, but then the business piece, operations come into play. Yeah. P and Ls come oh, into yeah. play, and then it kind of changes. And so, did you ever feel 
and we'll talk about kind of the music piece and probably some Dallas stuff as well. But like, did you ever feel like you were just putting your vision or your passion on the sideline to do what it really took for people to enjoy the place? No, I mean, I mean, and that, I mean, there's a way that you could easily look at it and it'd be, I think it's a cop out to say yes a little bit because right. if you care about what you're doing and you know, I, I do. I mean, I care about serving people good food. That yeah. is, I mean, that's actually well, my only job. Well, too, yeah. And, and it's one of those things where if I cared more about my ego, then the high tower would have closed, I mean, before our first year was up, yeah. you know, easily. I mean, and, and that ran through our heads. I mean, we no one came into the high tower, and that's what's sad when we would talk about people coming in, because there weren't that many people coming in. No one came into the high tower to the weekend of our first anniversary, and all of a sudden people showed up. and. I still to this day don't know what it is. Yeah. I'm happy they did. I'm happy, you know, well, I, I, I'm happy and I hope that people, when they discover it, they like it. But it is one of those things where, you know, we're we're in this industry, you know, to, to make people happy. Someone's right. spending their money literally at my house party. That's you right, know? yeah. And, and that's, their time, their money, all of that. Yeah, yeah, and it's like to sit there and go, you don't get it or you haven't earned, you know, you don't deserve to understand right, it right. or, and you know, and that's what we open it up with. Cause there is, when we opened up the high tower, Austin uh, was just coming up the bubble of becoming like that restaurant city, that food town. Yeah. Was this uh, before Levy? Am I thinking Levy? Levy was yeah. down the street from us. We right. were almost opening at the, simultaneously. So, which yeah. is interesting because those are two really distinct case studies. Oh, yeah. It was talking about the temperature of Austin yeah. dining at that time. And, yeah. and this, I mean, and never did we ever set up to be the anti anyone else, but necessarily we were, uh, we, I become disappointed sometimes when the, the personnel behind a restaurant becomes more important than who's being served at the restaurant. That's a good point. And, and and I think that happens a lot. And I'm sure there are people out, you know, that could would think that anyone, you know, that I would do the same thing, but it's it's honestly simply not true. I mean, the best examples when we were sitting when Vic and I were sitting in my backyard talking about the high tower, I go, There are two two rules we'll we'll always have. Hmm. I'll never serve Brussels sprouts and I'll never serve a hamburger. And both those <laughs> things are on my fucking menu right now. Well, dude, and because it's what people want. And it's fucking insanely delicious. Yeah, no, and I'm happy. I mean, the Brussels sprouts pay our rent. So But it, but you've got to admit they're transcendently delicious. I, I actually I get sick when I smell them at this point. But, oh, because it's yeah. so much. Yeah. Oh, dude. It's that and the pork gel both make me sick to my stomach every time we it's serve like, one uh, of them. It's like chumbawamba, man. Yeah. I mean, that's like <laughs> You know, like every time we it comes on, the fuck out of the restaurant industry. <laughs> that's right, <laughs> but that, but that's okay yeah. because anybody that comes, they don't have the same connection and the same repetitive no. injury. Yeah. I guess you oh could, no, and I, you that's, again, it's and you, not which a I knock. think you get that right, like no. where it's like I'm gonna go through some of this, yeah, some of these ailments. I'm gonna get tired of smelling these fucking things, but people love them, dude. It's, I mean, if if someone likes it that much, they come in, and sometimes people order them twice when they sit down. Yeah. I mean, and like I say, I, I what I tell you about the smell, I mean, one, unfortunately, it's the truth, but two, it's a joke. I mean, it's, who am I kidding? You yeah. know, I mean, that's awesome. It's the best compliment ever that I can sit there and look at a, at a product mix and go, holy fuck, I sold four times as many Brussels sprouts as I did literally anything else in Isn't this restaurant. Crazy? And no, and it's it's amazing. And I mean, it's it's what I always love about like the lists that come out, and I'm sure you see them all the time yeah, too yeah. in your industry. And it's List. just like, 
what are the most overrated or what's so over in 2014? Mm. And at the list is always Brussels sprouts. And I was like, yeah, I good, but also fuck you. you yeah, know dude. What I mean? like, so they can say whatever they want. Yeah. But if you think that grown women with great professional careers aren't still going back and listening to the Spice Girls, yeah. you're fucking... <laughs> You're fucking fooling yourself. <laughs> yeah. Because there's just time and place for it. Yeah. There, there are things that just work. You two doesn't get tired of playing with or without you. Yeah. That's what, that's the bread and butter, man. No, and, and it makes yeah. people, ha- I mean, in a perfect world, hopefully, I mean, who knows what fucking Bono thinks every night when he's singing <laughs> that. But in a perfect world, they play that because they go, you know what we just did? We made so many fucking people happy. And, 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 yeah. and that's the way I look at the Brussels sprouts. It's just like, man, that's crazy. Because like, I, again, the whole opening of the high tower was reactionary yeah. and it was like right when the Brussels sprout craze is going on and you know, and it wasn't out of spite, but I was just like, I want, I want to be, I want to do something different, right. you know, and there'll be no Brussels sprouts. And I mean, that's, I mean, that lasted four months yeah. I mean, and then they were on the menu and, and the way they are now, we've never touched them and never changed them. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, and that comes down to the fact that y- you do what people think, you know, you do what people want yeah. and why the hell not? Otherwise, why be in an industry? I mean, the same goes for years. The same yeah. goes with liquor. I mean, in spirits, it's just one of those things where if you're not doing something people like or you're doing something that like, oh, in a few years, they'll get it. It's like, well, What's fuck off. Point, Who are you? Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, why? Why worry about what people are going to catch up to you for? I, I don't right. need anyone catching. I'm not smart enough. I'm not I'm sure it's not cool <laughs> enough for anyone to get me. I mean, right. it's a matter of me getting them. And but it's, it's that uh, I think Austin's a great place to observe it, that people get so tied into what's hip and what's cool. And L.A. has this problem. And not that Austin's like L.A. L.A. is far larger. But like people have this thing where it's like, yeah, they know it's cool. Yeah. But then you ask them and they don't know it's cool. Oh, yeah. They're just kind of faking it. Well, and that's, I mean, for better or for worse, I mean, and okay, the thing I love most about the Hightower is that people like you come in. And I'm not going to name drop like people from restaurants and, right, right. and different places that come in, but we get a lot of people like you in our restaurant. Harry and, people? What's that? Harry short yes. people? <laughs> <laughs> um, guy's named Mike. I mean, uh, okay. it's real awkward. It's a very um, specific piece of the market. Yeah, actually, and I mean, but... I'm going to tell you, most guys named Mike are pieces of shit. So um, I can no, attest to that. Yeah. I mean, but people that are that are in the industry or industry uh, 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 related, and 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 it's to me that is the biggest compliment mm. when someone from, I mean, wherever comes sure. in, and like I say, I'm not. I, I'm always afraid if I name one restaurant, I'm forgetting to name like four no, more or I mean, anything like it, that. It, but it is—it's a huge compliment. And the High Tower, at the same time, has never been—we've never been seen like seen as right. see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we've never been that seen cool. And yeah. I—I'm fine with that. But you've been chugging away. No, you know what and, I mean. And, like, and that's that's kind of what we've done. And we've had—I mean, honestly, if it weren't for industry support, and or, I mean, we've got a great bunch of regulars. Don't get me wrong about that because they're. The lifeblood. I mean, right. same people that buy your gin right, every time. Right, right. You're like, okay, I, I need you, and I need our regulars. But we've got a good amount of industry people that come in, and they keep us alive, and they are our word of mouth. I mean, we work with PR. I mean, I'm not ever gonna, you know, lie about what they do for sure, us. Sure, sure. And uh, it it is one of those things though that we're kept alive. I mean, a place like the High Tower is kept alive by word of mouth. We're Absolutely. not. You guys are the true touring band yeah 
right? Like you're Black Flag in the 80s, yeah. right? Yeah. No one knew shit about yeah. him because there's no other way except word of mouth. Yeah. Oh, I, I went there. By the way, that is the single coolest analogy I've ever had put towards <laughs> me. And I'm going to probably use that to the day I tell, die. Tell somebody. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to tell a lot <laughs> of people anything. that. If anything. And then I'm going to pretty much claim it as my own, if you don't mind. Um, Far-fetched analogies are my thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, just, no, that was, just for the record. But, that just made it seem super fucking tough. But that's it. Uh, like you're in there working day-to-day, creating great food, yeah. building an organic relationship with these people, and you're not paying for it. Yeah. You're not selling yourselves out. You're catering to what people want with the way that you know how. Well, right? and, yeah. And I, I look at the menu like we have it right now. And I mean, you know, when I look at our Brussels sprouts, they're, I'm, I find a lot of joy in creating things that are ridiculous. And our Brussels yeah. sprouts, I mean, the, 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 what we went for as far as like bringing taste in we're yeah. quite literally we were talking about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and the fact that i didn't like peanut butter when i was a kid and right. how stupid that was and i was like let's make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and make it taste like you know let's make brussels sprouts and make it taste like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and that's what we did and, and i love that when people go oh i kind of i taste thai or i taste latin and it's right. like that is badass because it's supposed to taste like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich <laughs> and i mean and that's we do some re- most of our epicenters for ideas are ridiculous shit yeah you know i mean they usually start in somewhere goofy or kid related yeah and so that's i mean to to go way back and answer kind of what you're saying before is is about losing kind of your identity and purpose is that i think you know i i I think being under the gun and you know especially in austin restaurant scene today you know Mm -hmm. you got to worry about how you're viewed who's coming in i mean it's a volume game sure you know sure, i was sure. talking to someone about that the other day i mean of course you're you're watching percentages i mean like you have to but it's a volume game and that's yeah. all it is because oh, yeah. volume's not awesome right now Get i mean people you, in the door yeah, yeah. You, i mean go go talk to your favorite restaurant owner or go talk to your favorite chef and i guarantee you across the board they're all going either i'm completely hurting or i'm hurting worse than i did two years ago mm-hmm. i mean i I can't think, and I'm sure there are because I don't know everybody, but I can't think of a restaurant that's not saying that. And so pushing who you are at the same time is a little scary. And so that's, you know, we ride the line of that. I was like, I never don't want, I mean, and I, I know every every kitchen uses mm-hmm. this term, but like when we make up an item, we're like, oh, it's there, but it's not high tower food yet. And, you know, and all of our minds, especially our core group of of cooks, right? and, and hell, our to our bar manager to our front of the house manager they all know what that means you know and it means something very unique to us that we're i mean we live and die for so you know we're not laying in the street and just going okay fuck it's buffalo wing wednesday right you know and if they come in they come in and and again probably in three weeks it'll be buffalo wing wednesday but uh But I mean, and and again, nothing wrong with that, but it is one of those things where, you know, we, we are very protective about what we do and how we do it. You know, I mean, the fact that we, the kind of restaurant we are, and this is going to sound like a lot of humble bragging, but it's, it's not, it's just kind of, we make, we make a ridiculous amount of stuff in house. I mean, we used to make our own tofu and we stopped doing it when I realized that we sold fucking eight tofu a week. And I'm like, okay, this takes me literally a day to make for eight people to like, you know? And <laughs> yeah. and so we took that off the menu, but we do all our own bread. I mean, you know, and that's, 
where we come from as a kitchen and all of our backgrounds as cooks come from is going, okay, if we can't stand behind it, what are we doing this for? So right. it's a weird balance. And then you go, okay, we got to get it out there to where someone likes it. So we are very technique heavy, but most of the time we hide all those techniques or we don't, you know, it's not something. It's not about the technique. Yeah. It's yeah. not generally like presented on our Instagram account or right. written on our menu because I'd rather you go, you know, I, fuck yeah, I, I like fucking pork jowl, you right, know, or, yeah. or, or whatever, you know, I like short ribs and, you know, our short rib, honestly, when it comes down to it is a burrito. And I mean, when, <laughs> yeah. when it's presented on a plate, very rarely does it look like a burrito, but it's honestly based off a steak burrito. Yeah. And we go through, you know, corning a short rib and figuring out how to make a sourdough tortilla, which was the worst thing in the world. And <laughs> And, uh, you know, making it hold up and stuff like that. And when it comes down to it, we're like, man, I hope when this hits your table, you go, this is the coolest burrito I've ever seen in my yeah, life, you amazing. know? And, and I mean, and that's what it, you know, I think that's the trick now. Not that we found some secret formula because we have good days and bad days, just like literally everyone sure. does. But it is, you know, it, it is important for us to hold on to identity at the same time as going, we, not forgetting our purpose and our right. purpose. If you if you work in a restaurant, your purpose is to make people happy. It's about other people. And and you know and we don't do that all the time. I mean, hell, I read a freaking awful review of us two days ago on really? either on Yelp what? or Open Table. They just weren't happy. And yeah. you know we dropped the ball. You know we had we have a lot of new people in our kitchen, and they weren't. And this falls on me. They weren't being watched the way they should, and things slipped through the crack as they do because you know we've had as you and I talked about a couple times yeah. we've had a hell of a last week with some turnover you know we lost a sous chef and things like that and that makes for a, a rough week and sure. some some things fell and you know fell through the cracks and that's us that's me it's mm -hmm. not us it's me and uh you know so what we do is try to reach out to people and go not go well fuck they didn't get it they didn't get what we were doing no you took ownership yeah of you it. go no we sucked like that that sucks we Dude, let you down we spent money and you weren't happy absolutely and i got i got an email and i think this is just again a kind of a case study and i got an email a few months ago now someone said hey we got this bottle of your gin we got this navy strength i drank it with some mates this guy from australia i believe not a joke you think yeah. it really was <laughs> i thought <laughs> you were just being no, cool yeah. being, no he was and he he said it was the worst thing that we'd ever had. It tastes like tasted petrol, and I was like, okay, hey, I don't. No matter how I felt, yeah, right. I said, no problem. If you come in town, let me tour you around the distillery, and I'll give you whatever bottle you guys yeah. want. I want you to find something, yeah, that you can like. I want I want you to be happy. At the That's end of right. It. Yeah. And so I could pull. You could always pull. Like fuck you, customer. Yeah, you're stupid yeah you don't right? get it but yeah. that's how everybody is right now yeah no like, it's, it's your problem you're an idiot you voted for this guy you're a fucking idiot yeah like, yeah but that guy you know he's got a family yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, his kids are really nice yeah, you know you just shit on a whole generation of people <laughs> like but yeah. that's you think that's you think that's missing the fact that people need to step away from their art for a moment and realize that people they can make that that you and i make mistakes yeah. That we're responsible for these things. And I mean, and I think that goes to it. And and again, when I look at food, when I look at, I mean, anything, I mean, you said art, like I look at food as a skill set. Mm. And I think food can be made into art. What we do at the Hightower is, and what I think 
most restaurants, I mean, not have to do with the high tower. I think a lot, most restaurants are, you know, the food they pulled, put out is part of a skill set. Right. I, I mean, there are, I think there's probably less than 50 restaurants in the world that are doing food as art, mm-hmm. you know, that are actually pulling it off. And I think that's what, I think the customer to restaurant relationship I think sometimes the customer wants that, and I think sometimes the restaurant wants that, and I think that's getting lost in translation a mm. lot of time. Yeah. To where I mean, uh, you know, it kind of goes back to something we were saying before about you know when rest when Austin was coming up on this bubble, there are a lot of people opening restaurants, and whether they're the right reasons to open or the wrong reasons sure. to open, and that's for them and their their friends and right, right. investors and everyone else to figure out. But I looked at it, and and I was part of it. El Arbol was was that I wasn't an owner there. I was a paid employee. Yeah. But a lot of times, and I mean, and that's why the high tower's reaction to that. I'm like, I fucking don't, I don't want to do this. Like, I, I mean, legitimately, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore because this doesn't feel right. The things we're talking about, the, the, the way we're shaping this is not about the customer anymore. It's letting, it's allowing them the privilege to pat us on the back. Mm-hmm. And again, the way I grew up, the, work, the way I was raised, to the crowd I found in high school, to the crowd I stuck with through my 20s, were not those kind of people. They were like, you do it for everyone else. I mean, we were always big for the way I was raised well, through so, high school. So that's actually a perfect segue, because I don't know, you know, we've met here in the past few years, as Hightower's kind of grown and yeah. really, really established itself as a wonderful place. But you are you a Dallas kid? I, yeah, I grew up in Dallas. I lived where, in Dallas until I was 18. Where about? Uh, North Dallas, or, I mean, what I call it Dallas proper, just because Dallas has become so it's many massive, different yeah. things, you know. So we lived, uh, yeah, I mean, we lived as far as you could pretty much in Dallas without living in like Farmers Branch or Carrollton, you oh, know. Okay. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, we were we were Dallas proper. I mean, and it was, uh, and and so you're born in Dallas. Yeah. What would your folks do? Uh, my dad was an engineer and my mom worked for, uh, she passed away right before El Arbo opened and, mm-hmm. uh, she worked at aid services, Austin. Really? So she, I mean, and again, or aid services, Austin, Jesus Christ, uh, aid services, Dallas. Yeah. Sorry about that. We do work with aid services, Austin. Um, so, you know, and that's part of, again, is when I go back to the way I was raised, that's, I mean, not that it wasn't my dad but it was definitely my mom caring about, people, you know, going right? fucking earn, earn the right to have a voice. Don't yeah. just have one. You got to have a reason to. Right. And I mean, her idea of public service was bigger than anyone else I had ever met. And that's what a lot of it was based in. And then once I found punk rock, I mean, so the, the way I was raised to like finding all the degenerates that I, you know, started right, right, yeah. meeting, it worked out perfect. I was like, oh, cool. So, you know, and, you know, all these ideas that had been brought up to me when I was a kid all of a sudden make sense with these kids that play music I want to go hear yeah. and spout off things I want to hear. And so it, it was it was a it was a great segue. You can know, you, can you think of I try to go back and I think about well, what what bands really transformed me and transformed me and maybe inspired me to start picking up a guitar now and again but f- yeah. for you which because you're a guitar player we talked about sgs here just a little bit ago but can you think of some of those bands some of those guys that really drove yeah. you to want to participate yeah i mean it, i mean that's easy i mean it was you know minor threat fugazi yeah. 
you know, those types of bands where I remember hearing and I was like, oh my God, these guys, it's not that they give a shit, it's how much of a shit they give. And and again, yeah. it wasn't, I mean, same, I mean, I used, I love the Jesus Lizard and just, yeah, oh yeah. just people, I mean, and Jesus Lizard come, comes from a different sense of community than like, Fugazi. Oh, absolutely. Not, but, not uh, as political. Yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about leaving it all out there and it's not, you know, holding nothing back. And I mean, and it was definitely, you know, kind of with the, the Fugazi thing. I I mean, I literally remember the first time I heard them and I was like, and I had listened to Minor Threat first. Sure. How, and, and again, wow. all these bands, I mean, Minor Threat was long gone by the yeah. time I, I first heard them. And I remember hearing them and I'm like, what the hell is is this because yeah. i was you know before that i mean i had an older brother and sister i was listening to black sabbath and guns and roses and you know cr stuff like that yeah yeah you that, know that, and like and, assertive metal probably. yeah yeah but. but but definitely not i mean and, and to be completely honest i mean a good amount of you know joy division and all the you know all that kind of well stuff you gotta too. cry while you're I, rhythmic, rallying against eurythmics, the cuss eurythmic was the other one the rhythmics are great yeah any lyrics man yeah and so i was coming from that and then i uh, a buddy of mine who was a year older than me uh played me minor threat and, and i i just remember sitting in his room and going everything like like everything's i'm going to find this music yeah. like this is it and then we're sitting there and it was months. I mean, just because, again, we we're in our own little the, the school I went to in Dallas. I mean, it was well, any school in Dallas has nothing to do with the school. I went to the Dallas school. I went to Dallas is perfectly fine. It was it. But any school in Dallas is based around sports. And yeah. oh, Texas, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Weighing fucking 90 pounds didn't really help me fit into that crowd. Right. And much less. You know, I you know i started cutting my own hair and i, I mean i was yeah, just, yeah just i mean i was on my own planet which is great i mean if there's anything i can hope for is that my kids are too because it made me a great freaking weirdo and uh <laughs> march into the drum of your own beat there you right? go yeah and or and your own drum. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was just one of those things where you know it was it was probably some being a self-imposed outcast you know i was yeah. It's always funny. I talk about like I was straight edge in high school. Well, it was really I was going to ask you about that. Because yeah. I was definitely not getting girls. Yeah, no girl was going to come <laughs> talk to me anyway. So that was yeah. easy. I was like, well, and, you know, both my brother and my sister uh, were definitely way wilder than I am. I mean, and, really? Yeah. I mean, they were pretty heavy into some shit. Yeah. And for, for not going into to details, but like I, I could get away with murder because I mean my they sister, set a really high bar. Yeah, my sister would drop acid and walk through our living room as my mom and I were watching TV, and <laughs> I'm like, put some pants on, goddamn it. Yeah, and you know my I, I've seen you know my brother go beyond dry heaving and things like that. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and it was rough, and it was one of those things. I mean, and honestly, that that time my brother and I shared a bathroom, and I remember seeing that and going, well, I'm not ever gonna fucking do that, right? And you know, and. You know, I, I was a little test subject when I was a kid, so they'd be like, cool, you, you know, here's a joint, here's, here's you know, right. here's Zima. You know, I mean, I was about to say, <laughs> I definitely wouldn't be handing anything cool. It'd be yeah. like, you know, here's, here's this awful, awful sugary <laughs> drink. You're going to vomit in 20 minutes. And uh, But at least we're offering it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, then I heard Minor Threat, right at all the, I mean, so many things, and I'm sure it happens for everybody, or at least you look back with rose colored glasses and it seems like it does, but I really think it did. It just all came together at the same mm. time. And I remember hearing minor threat and I'm like, 
this is the way I feel. Like, yeah. fuck this shit. I, I, I don't, I, I mean, again, I'm not getting a girl, but right. I convinced myself that I didn't want to. And booze doesn't seem to be paying off your brother and sister yeah, and, right? and it was just like i don't i don't want to do drugs i don't i don't want to i don't want to drink and all of a sudden it was just music and yeah. so we sat around we listened to minor threat i think just on repeat for freaking six months and then i remember my buddy had a, a fugazi cassette and it was yeah. like a mix and repeater was the first song i heard it yeah. was in 91 and i was like fuck like this is <laughs> This is a perfect, noisy, crazy oh, man, song. so good, yeah. And then I just, and I remember, like, just it kept going. And yeah. we played that tape out. And then we just went to the next thing. Then we discovered the Jesus Lizard. And we were like, what the hell are these guys? Which is cool because you ended up here. Yeah. And they're an awesome yeah, band. No, I you mean, know? yeah, you go back to Scratch Acid and yeah, all those guys. Yeah. And you're just like, Well, yeah, Whoa. so Jesus Lizard, right. They maybe were LA, but Scratch Acid was absolutely well, Austin. Yeah, right? I mean, well, uh, Jesus Lizard, they, I think, they ended up going up to Chicago. Oh, Chicago, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, Scratch Acid was here. And the cool thing about this, a totally different tangent, but I remember reading that like Scratch Acid and all those bands when they were coming up were all called, I think the term they always used was poster bands. Yeah, Which yeah. means they weren't real bands. They would just do posters of shows that didn't <laughs> yeah. fucking exist. And finally, they were like, well, we should start playing shows. And it turned out that, I mean, Scratch Acid's fucking amazing. It's amazing, yeah. You know, and, and then you get to the Jesus Lizard and... You know, you have like Dwayne Dennison, who's, you know, is just the most amazing guitar player ever. And I mean, and, and it's just a perfect accumulation of talent and just not giving a shit. Yeah. I have no idea how this music story turns into you making food, becoming a chef. How would it tell me well, how the hell that happened? So this man from San Diego, it was called Watch It Burn. We moved to Portland because we thought it would be easier to tour out of Portland because it was right. cheaper. San Diego's, I mean, everything is yeah, no secret. Yeah. It's horrendously expensive. And, and so- And very white. Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> it is shockingly white. Uh, and so we, and we had a lot of friends. I mean, Rise was based more or less out of Portland at this point. Mm. And a lot of our friends were out of Portland. So we're like, okay, we got a good support system. We know we got friends up there. Uh, let's move up there. And okay, so preface this the, at literally. So we we're having a going away party because the drummer and the guitar player moved up a month and a half or two months before everyone else did. Mm. Our bass player ended up not going. We had another bass player set up up there, and so they left early. At our going away party, this girl who I've been wanting to talk to forever that I'd stared at at this bar finally talks to me and so we talk we hang out that night and of course my roommate at the time is a giant prick so i i tell him i'm like hey joy's talking to me and he was like cool and immediately starts hitting on her i'm like oh, god dude, i fucking come hate on. you man and uh so we go to this party after uh, I mean, there was a time in my life when i actually went to after party so yeah we we're at this party then we go to an after party and we're sitting there and all he's doing is hitting on her and it's making me insane because I've gotten, I, I mean, still. You like I, the girl. I, yeah, I'm yeah. way not straight edge at this point, but yeah. still attracting women is not my strong point. <laughs> and so I'm just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And so finally she blows him off and she's like, why are you letting Alf talk to me so much? And uh, I'm like, cause I don't fucking know. I don't know how to talk to anybody. And so long story short, that was 2004. She's my wife now. 
And so That's amazing. I'm meeting yeah. her as I'm leaving. So I'm like, shit, I don't know what to do. I've already made a commitment. I already had an apartment up right. in Portland. And so, I mean, it was the worst. I mean, I, I meet this girl and you try not to be stupid and go, well, do I stay in San Diego for this girl I've known right. a month? Yeah. And, and do I break a lease that I've already signed? And do I disappoint two guys that, yes. I mean, I love? Yes. And, and well, but I didn't. Oh, I mean, shit. No. So, well, my, no, I, I only not know. that much of a romantic. I know, I, I know up. now only. Yeah. Now, yeah, no, I totally fucked up, and I, I and I mean, we talked about. it. I was like, I don't know what to do. This is this is a giant ball in motion. Yeah, uh, and so we go up there, we talk, and thank God that Joy is has got more guts than me. She's just like, why are we doing this? Why don't I live in Portland? And so we made the very adult decision that we weren't going to live together. So she moves. Like one, she moves one house away. So immediately we start living together. Oh my gosh. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, and then from Portland, I mean, we get, you know, we go. So we're in Portland, the band implodes because bands fucking do that. And mm -hmm. I mean, because it's a bunch of volatile. I Egos. mean, honestly, because of me, I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, my roommate was my, you know, one of my best friends who was also the singer and guitar player in the yeah. band. And it was one of those things, anyone aside, literally aside from joy that is in just a, a boiler pot with me, usually we explode. And and not because of anger or ego, it's just, you know, especially when you're just having that kind of, when you have two high energy people right. that are just going at it, it just, at some point it's not gonna work. Right. And, and it didn't work. And I mean, I love those guys and you know, there's definitely, I mean, it's easy going now, but so that implodes and at the same time i get fired from a normal job and at so at this time i'm with joy i get fired uh and i call her on the way out and i go i need to figure out what i'm doing with my life and how old were you then i was so this was 2005 so i started late so i, I mean it's 27 yeah so wait so <laughs> I'm so fucking bad at math. <laughs> so that was 12 years ago. Yeah, 27. Yep. Jesus. See, so, I was trying. I was yeah, trying to do no, the math. You're yeah. Right. All right. That's fine. Um, <laughs> On the fly math, it's good yeah, for I, it's yeah, good I, for tipping. I, I, I do not. I do not possess that skill. So, um, no, it was 2004. So, oh, and okay. that wasn't to prove you wrong. I was just 26 because I was like, I remember being 26. <laughs> yeah, I told you sure, I was right. Mike. Sure, Jen, sure. Uh, yeah. Um, so, I tell her, I go, I either want to be a sound engineer, or I want to go cook. And she was like, well, what do you want to do more? And I'm like, I honestly, I have no idea. But yeah. if I if I have a gut reaction, it's going to go cook. And she was like, well, then go cook. She's like, then why, why are you worried about Stop it? Stop dicking around. Yeah. Just go do go, it. Go do yeah. it. And so. Sounds like a good partner. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Dude, I mean, like I say, I'd, I'd be I'd, not dead, but I'd definitely be homeless a long time ago and just <laughs> a complete waste. Um, and so I go to call. I mean, and. So as I told you before, I'm not good at school. And so I'm like, I have to go to school. And and solely, I, I hold no value in culinary school. And that's not to knock anyone that's been there. Right, but sure, even before sure. I went, uh, so I started cooking a little bit. And right when I started cooking, I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to get to culinary school. Because it's the only way, I have to spend a lot of my own money yeah. to make myself dedicated to this. Because I can't fuck this up again. Because at but that did, point- But you didn't want to go to culinary school, did you? I not- for the knowledge I would gain, but right. just to prove that I could. Cause at that point there'd been a long line of like, 
Well, being a musician. Yeah. And, 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 and the good thing about being a musician is that you can not follow through with stuff and no one really notices. Yeah. And that's except true. yourself. And, and that's not, again, not a dig, but at least for me, that's how I set it up. I yeah. go, I can do anything. And just like when the band I was in imploded, I was like, oh, it was me, but it wasn't really me. And I knew it was me, you know, and it was one of those long, hard kind of look things. It was like, okay, am I going to go cook for a year and then say, fuck it and start working in shipping, receiving departments again and, right, or right. do it. Can't do that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I mean, and so it was just one of those things where I knew I wanted to do something. I needed an outlet and I, and I, I had too much energy to sit in an office. Right. And so it was literally, I mean, that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to go to culinary school just to force myself to be committed to this. Yeah. And I did. I mean, and I never missed, I never missed a day of culinary school. You know, I did never finished. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, I finished and that's incredible. You know, I mean, did everything did. I mean, I finished with a 4.0, which in culinary school, that's a pretty low bar, but it was one of those things <laughs> yeah. where, and I, I mean, and again, it was one of those things where I went home and did homework. Yeah. You know, I was, I mean, as an older, I mean, especially in this industry as an older person, I was 26. And by that point, you know, a lot of people were running kitchens. Right, right. And so I was like, well, fuck, you know, I got to figure this out. And so I, you know, just buckled down with it, uh, you know, went, worked at a couple of restaurants in Portland. And then when we knew we were going to move back to Austin, I was like, let's, let's go overseas. I was like, I want to work in France. And so we sit on my resume, my brother-in-law's French, yeah. uh, my, my sister's husband's French. And, uh, so he helped us out in a tremendous amount and got me a job in this French restaurant in uh, in the Cote d'Or in a town called Nuit Saint Georges. Oh my gosh! And it was I went there. I couldn't drive a stick shift. I showed up in February. It was an ice storm. Yeah, I couldn't speak French at all. And you know we showed up there and immediately. I mean I showed up, had dinner the next morning. I woke up and I went to work six days a week working split shifts every day except for Wednesdays. And, uh, it was hard. It was, it was, an, it was impossibly hard, uh, because the French are amazing people. They're fucking, I mean, 26 in America, you yeah. still feel pretty young. You're like, sure. I got the world at my feet. Yeah. 26 in France. And dude, you're looking at retirement. I mean, you're figuring out what you're going to do for 10 years so you can get wow. the fuck out. And so people, they'd seriously, they go, why are you bothering with this right now? I'm like, because I'm an idiot. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I I don't have a good answer for you. And so I went over there and got my ass handed to me repeatedly. But also, I mean, again, it's one of those sayings. It's like you either throw it out there. Or why the fuck bother? Yeah. And so, I mean, that's go that is going all in. No. And that's again, it was another one of those things where it's like I have to do if I'm going to continue to commit to this. Yeah. I mean, we still, when the high tower is just an idea, I would tell everyone about it. And, you know, one time my friend, he goes, why do you, do you keep spouting off about this? I was like, cause if I say it enough, I have to fucking have to do, do it. it. Yeah. And that's it's the a only way. To yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you don't understand how hyperactive people work. I can, I have, I have so many irons in the fire right now. It's not even funny, Yeah. but the ones that I keep talking about are the ones I'm committed to just cause it forces me to, because on top of. I hate it when people aren't committed to something. Looking like a dipshit is a very close second to that. Yeah. They're looking oh, yeah. like a failure. Yeah. And I mean, it's 
I mean, dude, you know how how bootstrap it is for any I business know. you yeah. do. I mean, so we. Well, we I, I there... don't mention anything unless I'm ready to make it happen. Yeah, I I am very mum's the word until it's actually going to happen. Yeah. So, but I, I get like once you say it, then you it's out it. there. Yeah. You better fucking do it. Yeah. Because who wants to be the guy that says a bunch of stuff and just talks about it? Yeah. And never does anything. No, and that bothers me so much when people do that, dude. And there's a lot of it. Oh, of Love course. It. I mean, I got this project. Oh, yeah. did you get funding yet? Yeah. Are you a legal entity? Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Well, then fuck off, yeah. man. Come yeah. on. That doesn't exist. It does. Yeah. I go out to bars too. You know, yeah, it's dude. like I, I can bullshit all day. Once you put like two hundred bucks into form an entity, then yeah. I know at least you're someone. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, no yeah. matter what we do, or like until we have an LLC, this is us talking about that's nothing. right dicking around in yeah. a bar yeah. yeah in which dude i'm i'm the best at you know? sure but, but that's the time and place for yeah. it but that does not make an entrepreneur no and i mean and that's you know and and so that's you know so we went over there and had an awesome time came back here and you know i you know went around some restaurants some great some not so great and you know, eventually ended up at a Larble where I was hired as a sous chef. Wow. And then our exec chef had a meltdown uh, not that long before we opened. We had no recipes, none at all. Zero. I mean, I mean, again, my business partner at this time was my boss and Vic was my right, boss. Right. And so when the original chef wouldn't respond to him, he'd be like, where are the recipes? And I'm like, dude, I don't fucking know. I go to his house and he watches surf videos all day and drinks Sambuca. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know. I can tell you who the fuck Kelly Slater is now. But other than that, I have no idea what's going on with this restaurant. And, uh, and it was just, it was craziness. And I won't go. I mean, we, there was definitely an incident when, when the chef was let go and it was not a good one. I mean, he went nuts. He showed up drunk. Oh, but that's not so uncommon. No, and that's... He I mean, didn't bring a gun in there, did he? No. Okay. I mean, he, well, there you he, go. he took some swings with a stick, but no guns. Mm. Uh, and so he was let go. And then all of a sudden, they were like, guess what? You're a chef. And I'm like, fuck, I don't know how to be that. And they're like, well, you need to figure it out. And then they're like, by the way, this is also one of the bigger restaurants that's ever been opened in Austin. I'm like, great. I'm not up to this place at all. Yeah. Like, and I wasn't. I mean, when we opened, I wasn't. I mean, there's no... I cannot... I would love to figure out a way to put into phrasing that I, I, I was prepared for a larval. Yeah. And I absolutely was not. Sometimes I, you just have to do it. Yeah. You just, if your wife's pregnant, yeah. you just have to be a dad. Oh, yeah. You can't turn yeah. your back to yeah. her. Right? So. And, and that's what was kind of laid out on my feet. Not dumped, but laid out on my feet. And I was like, okay, we got to figure this out. And I had a good partner in Vic, which is why we still get along to this day. And he was like, dude, I'll... I'll help you out any way I can. Yeah. Cause I think, I mean, granted he was my boss and one of, you know, he wasn't the owner, but he was definitely an influencer on getting me the job. And he was like, well, you better do this. And and I, then I think he saw direct fear and I was like, okay, I'll help you out. Doing this. I'm like, okay, cool. Cause I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, cause at that point I didn't even been a sous chef that long. I mean, I'd been a sous chef at, but you, but you have this thing, you have this thread, this spark running through you. That is that you can't let it fail. Yeah. Because you said it. You're going to do it. You went to school for this whole fucking thing. It's like fourth and fourth and ten, right? Yeah. You have to deliver on it. And I think that that, or rather to phrase it in a question, does that pressure, does that necessity to have to perform, do you 
like that part of the job. I, I mean, I, I do. I mean, I think, and we've talked about it, I think there's a negative side to that that I don't yeah. buy into. But I think, I mean, Vic, Vic always says this. He always says it as a joke. He's like, oh, you always cook better when you're angry. And it's like, one, that might be kind of sad, but the <laughs> truth is, is I cook better when I'm scared. Yeah. You know, in the high wow. tower, the first six to eight months when I thought there's no way we're staying open, I was scared. I think we started producing the really good food at that point. Yeah. Were we producing great food before then? I don't know. I think it was good. Yeah. But I think once I saw that it could go away, and I think that's what you, I mean, we were humble when we opened up the high tower. And nothing gets you more humble than when you pour everything into a place and no one shows up to it. I know. I mean, man. we opened our our opening grand opening day was an went the ice storm. Yeah. In 2013, I think our opening day we had like, and granted, most of these people were either related to me or my friends. I think we had like 15 people through the door. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, like we we did something stupid. It's sobering. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd have nights during our first opening months when you know your your honeymoon period mm-hmm. when you know we'd have like i say 15 20 people through the door and it's like oh you know in our projections we had you know 75 people a night whatever whatever it was yeah i can't remember what it was and it it just wasn't happening the reality sets in yeah like you're strapped into this oh you're you're i mean i mean monetarily time everything wrinkles gray hair all of it man yeah no and i think that's what i do think that's what sometimes you know, you you have you have a a duty to the people that come in there, to your employees and to the customers yeah. to make sure you put forth a certain product. I think sometimes through the glamorization of our industry, people forget that a, a lot more people are like me than are like fucking Guy Fieri or, or right, whatever right, right, other right. dipshit celebrity chef sure. you you want to name because they're you know than fucking Tim Love. Right, you know, yeah. I mean, and it's like, if Tim loves food sucks, that's probably because the guy's never fucking seen it, Yeah, you know? And if my food sucks, it is brutal because I, I was there that day when it was made. It's on you. You know, and yeah. and it's one of those things where I look at it and when someone does have a bad experience, and you know, again, there's no denying, people have great experience at the high tower. And I can honestly say, I think more often than not, people have great experiences at the high tower, but it's not, I can't be stupid enough to say people haven't had great experiences there. Yeah. And it's a true letdown. And when people get vicious about it, it's one of those, I mean, and it's, it's the TV slash Yelp slash top chef slash, you know, the, 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 the celebrityization of yeah, cooking. Right. And, yeah. and I, I think it always comes down to people go, well, I, I'm do a critique. And it's like, you always are. You always do your opinion. Yeah. But at the same time, remember that car wash you went to and they didn't wash your car perfectly. Did you savage their life? Because it, I mean, it, it it's a careful balance. Right. And I'm always careful when I, I, I try to always be careful when I talk about it. But it is one of those things where I think people forget that, and, and it, this is not a poor pity me thing. Because like I said, I'm in the same boat as thousands, if not tens of thousands of other people. So this yeah. has nothing to do with me. But I think sometimes for people forget the business part of the restaurant business. Yeah. And that it's, this is my small business. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't my pet project. I'm not doing this because, you know, I had a friend in, that told me my 
freaking pork jowl was the best thing ever and people you know i owe it to people to show it to them and i you know they deserve to try to try it and and you know yeah they and then they owe me the respect of loving it or anything like that it's like no this is a small i mean do we open this with no money yeah and you're an indie band yeah and and it, it's one of those things where you know i mean and, and again i don't think that's the customer's fault i think that's a a glamorization of what we do where mm. it goes man i'm a cook with a skill set that's all i am i happen to be a business owning cook with a skill set yeah but i no one calls me chef in my kitchen i won't allow the word in there i fucking hate it mm. i don't identify with that i look at tv and i go i don't do the same thing that person does and you know and i've called plenty of people i've called everyone up until i was the executive chef chef in a restaurant and without fail and, and it never bothered me yeah and especially the ones that i thought earned it not all of them earned it but most of them did and you know yes chef no chef that's that's the party line and that's great but the way i look at it now is that i you know i just i think there is a turn and this is kind of a tangent but it goes back to what we were talking about with the austin kind of bubble i mean but i think it's a it's a a a, a global bubble or at least nationwide to where it, I just think people forget, I think people in the restaurant forget who we're serving. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people in the restaurant forget that they're actual people. You know, we get a shitty review or someone tells me this sucked. The only thing I do is I go home to my wife and kids and go, fuck, tomorrow's gotta be better. Right. You know, and I signed up for this. No one needs to feel sorry for me or yeah. anyone else in a Well, you're a public industry. figure in yeah. a sense. Your food is yeah. out there for all to judge. Yeah, and it's one of those things where that's where I try to tell my guys what we do. We serve people. So, yeah. you know, when I go home to my wife and kids and go, man, tonight sucked. Like, I know it sucked. You know, like last Wednesday when the lady called us out, when the, we got that review, yeah. I know it sucked. And it's just like shit. And that's what I told my guys. I'd rather not open that night because we let everybody down. And so today we've got to do so much better. And right. that's what happened. I mean, and the next day we did. Yeah. And now I look at it, I'm like, okay, we're back in line. I mean, we we earned a shitty review, you know, in my opinion. But you're gonna did. earn very much earn ten great yeah. reviews, right? And, and and that's the point, is yeah. that it's you know, it, it's just it's it's a very weird line right now with restaurants because mm. there's a lot in, on TV about it. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of magazines about it, and there's to a certain extent the consumer wants. You know, some people very much want that TV aspect of it too, even as they're dining, and it's like, you know, and that that's one of the things we always set up at the high tower. It's like, okay, that's what's going to be our focal point is the person you're sitting next to. Let's not worry about me. I yeah. mean, and, and when we first started with our PR company, we made it very, very apparent that I was not supposed to be the focal point of any marketing. Right. I was like, this is not gonna be- Chef driven. Yeah, like, we, we have a kitchen driven menu, but we don't have a chef driven restaurant. Yeah. And again, with a lot of credit to our PR company, they did a very good job, very good job of, of that, uh, ball of crap we handed them because mm. they were just like cool you've given us no way to market anything that you're <laughs> doing and you know that was that was it so so i've got two other questions for you okay before we continue to drink some mezcal yeah. off <laughs> off the mic right <laughs> i know you're really a fan of spicy foods uh, i am as well we got to try that anchovies verde actually earlier which, which is amazing amazing yeah. stuff 
but you're working on a hot sauce and this has been yeah. going on for some time how close are you to being able to have a bottle in your hand um it feels infinitely far away like, <laughs> but you said part, it yeah though. yeah i did and so you I, said it which and, is good and i've got i've we've literally produced some of it so that is so a buddy of mine plays in a band called hot he played in he plays well surf plays in a band called hot water music and uh his name's chuck reagan yeah, we all. I think we all know. Uh, that's yeah. an amazing icon of this movement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and like I say, uh, it's they were a band that I love forever. Oh, amazing band! And and Jameson forever. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes. And through you know just so weird story. So the and this is the only way I can tie things in. Mm. So the bass player when we moved to Portland, Oregon, the bass player that we had waiting up there for us was a roadie for Hot Water Music, Alkaline Trio, a bunch of different bands. And on top of that, Chuck's wife, Jill, is really good friends with uh, the drummer in that same band. So mm. we had just known them for a long time. And actually, Watch It Burn had toured with the Crows, which was an offshoot of Hot Water Music back in the day. Um, and so we just knew them. And so when Chuck was on a solo tour a few years back, like we'd always kind of, we'd see at shows and just kind of bullshit about food and and things like that. And I always knew Chuck was a cook. And, you know, we would just kind of send emails back and forth, text back and forth and just going, hey, this is that, this is that. And then one time they came in and they were playing. I can't remember where the hell he was playing, but he came in and it was right when the high tower opened. And I go, dude, we're not, we weren't open on Mondays then. I was like, come in, let's have a fucking, let's have a potluck. Let's mm -hmm. have a bar, you know, let's just sit around and eat and drink. And so him and John Gaunt, his fiddle player came in and, and Joe, his bass player came in and we all ate. We actually ate a bunch of boudin. And, nice. uh, and one of the things we've always done at the high tower is, I mean, we're always, I think on average, we probably always have at least five hot sauces that we're making because it yeah. always is either, even if we don't directly put it on a plate, it's always like, we'll do it. We'll make some just to be a component of something. Mm. And so just through sheer the fact that I love sauce, like I brought them out and just lined them all up and they're tasting them. And Chuck's like, dude, we need to talk. Like we need to, to discuss this because Gaunt and I have been talking with uh, Chuck's brother, Paul, about doing a sauce. And he was like, you know, we'd, We'd love to have someone else on board. Yeah. And, you know, him and Certifiable I. Certifiable chef. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so we spoke. And at first, you know, we were kind of just like, oh, maybe I'll have a small part in it. And I'm not very good at having small parts in anything just because I get excited. <laughs> yeah. And I realized that this was going to be a really cool thing. And so we just all decided to jump in together. And so we've gone through a few bottlers already and the bottling business is not easy as i've learned i have right. friends that do this and i'm shocked how freaking crazy it is but uh it's called south mouth uh and i mean honestly i think we're and as i'm saying this i'm jinxing us to a level that is immeasurable <laughs> but i think we should have a bottle in the next few months that's incredible yeah and again by saying that we won't see one until i'm 50 but but i really still, do it still happens yeah and so we're gonna do we've got two sauces you know a green and a red and 
I think the green is especially cool, and I don't want to say what it is yet just because I don't want to get ripped yeah, off. Sure. But I think it's a neat idea. And, you know, I mean, we just kind of partnered up with it. And, I I mean, it's turning – I think it'll turn into a really cool thing. Right now, it's slowly my worst nightmare uh, because <laughs> it just continues to feel like it's never going to get done. Right. But, like with anything, I mean, it just freaking makes you stronger. It does. And, and it is one of those things where – I was actually, I was talking to Chuck a couple of weeks ago about this. And I was like, I literally remember the first conversation we had about this. And I got off the phone and I remember talking to Joy and go, this would be a cool thing to do for a couple months. And that yeah. was over a year and a half. Ago. <laughs> and I, and literally still a year and a half ago and I don't have a bottle of sauce, you know? And you so, will. I oh mean, no, uh, we totally will. I mean, it's done. Yeah. I mean, we, we've got a, a co-packer now that we really like. Yeah. It's, it's, we're going through the initial phases of getting it done, it'll get done. I mean, and again, you can take how driven I am and multiply it by 100 and that's Chuck. Yeah. I mean, the guy doesn't fuck anything up. So, uh, but no, I mean, you can follow either Hightower, Southmouth, or Chuck and find updates on that because hopefully, by the, for the love of God, we'll have some updates on it coming up here in the next couple months. Because I mean, I, yeah. I, th I know you guys will, and yeah. I know that it will be delicious too. Yeah, and I'm ha so far what we have produced, which is mostly coming out of the high tower. I mean, if you go to high tower and eat hot sauce, yeah. you're eating South Mouth. I mean, that's actually what it is. I'm gonna have to focus on it next time. Yeah, yeah. I always blend it in with everything. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is the perfect bite, but I, it, I want to isolate it and yeah. just really taste it. You know? But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and again, as we always talk about, about too many irons in the fire, it's, I mean, it's always there. But again, yeah. if not, what's the point? So, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, so here's kind of my final question for you. <clears throat> I get a real good sense of how you are as a chef, as a business owner, and it's been a really interesting journey, like finally getting to learn more about you. That's something that's really like the best part about this whole fucking thing. We're sitting here, we're sipping, we sip two different mezcals, yeah. one that's a Tobala from Mezcal Vago, that's a single distillation, and then a Del Miguel Tepestate, the one that started it all, Tepestate, the one that started it all for me. Which is freaking nuts. Right, it's yeah. like, it is the repeater for me. Yeah. That, that yeah. mess count. There, yeah. there may be a few others, but that's kind of where your mind starts to open up. But so you've got such a deep interest in music, such a deep interest in family, in cooking, in flavor. So let's say you are at your favorite bar, wherever that may be in the world. Okay, You're sipping a whiskey, you're sipping a mezcal, whatever you want. Who would you love to just sit there and sip and have a conversation with, dead or alive, someone that you knew, someone that you didn't know, who might that person be? I mean, and this is going to sound way, way, I don't know. I feel like this is an easy answer. I mean, well, I mean, there's no other way around it. And it's just because it's always where my mom, I mean, my mother's name was Sheila Hightower Dolezal. So oh, that's man. what the Hightower is named after. And, and it's not the typical which it's always there like oh i just love one more day with her because i mean anyone has anyone passed away can say that and yeah. i mean anyone can that has anyone passed away can say the answer i'm about to say too it's easy but it's you know she passed away i think i was 29 and it is just one of those things just to see you know her and just like what we we're talking about mm -hmm. just as far as like the way people treat each other now the way egos because she was not egotistical it, it was just not in the sense that she's my mother but yeah. just in the sense that she As was a person, such right? a good gauge yeah. of bullshit and i always 
love that. And that is something, you know, Joy is right up there. She's right up there. I mean, she'll call me out on my shit. Yeah. Right. You know, it's easy. But my mom had such a direct way to do it where Joy very much does it as my wife and partner since 2004. Mm. And my mom did it as my mom. You know, like I gave life to you, so you're going to listen to this. Yeah. And I always liked that direct approach. And I, I think sometimes I'm guilty of it when I shouldn't be doing it. But it is one of those things to where, you know, and not to get political, not at all. But right. I would love if I could have a drink with her and go, what the hell do you, what do you think of what's going on right now? Yeah. And as a woman that worked for Aid Services of Dallas, that fought diversity, that fought all these things, and on both sides, you know, I yeah. mean, and I'm not just, this is not AIDS an anti- is an indiscriminate yeah. thing. Yeah. I'm not making an anti-Trump speech or anything like that. It's just a general kind of feel of the world right now. I would just really love to sit back and hear that because it, you know, that conversation ended, yeah. you know, 10 years ago. And it would be amazing to actually have that, you know, that conversation now, you know, with someone. Because I don't, I mean, and I wish there was a cool answer that I could give that it would be like, oh, it'd be like no, Joel Robichon no, or someone no, like that. No, but yeah. like, I, I, to be honest, unless it's instances like this, I mean, I, I, I like it when people have, I can talk to other people that have other passions about food, yeah. you know, but talking to someone directly about food and the mystique of it and you know, the, the art of it. I mean, I can, we can talk about the creation of it. Like we're talking about the sweet potato sure. dish. That's easy. You can talk about creation. I think that's an awesome thing to represent and talk about, mm. but I don't have a drive just to sit there and wax ecstatic about, you know, the things I've done. You know, yeah. I like, if I'm going to sit there and have a deep conversation with somebody, I, I don't want, I mean, music is always amazing yeah. to talk about, but other than that, it's just like, and not even, not, politics but just going what's how do you see the world yeah. you know what do you what do you think of this sociological you know? yeah. yeah and like what we talked about the other day when y'all came into the restaurant it's going you know i can look at my own industry and i go there are fucking problems here and i think that's you know it's someone like you with that mentality of mm. going you know i mean and to give you credit it is a little bit the same conversation you know, when you have strong-willed people like my mom, like you, people that are going, these are my ideals and I'm going to stick by them. And being able to turn it on your own industry and going, man, a lot of what's going on right now is bullshit, right. you know? And that's what I always enjoyed about talking with my mom, even when I was a kid. I mean, I remember being 17 and standing in the kitchen for hours just talking with her and she'd be like, what's going on with this? Where's your mind at? And me being able to give an honest answer yeah. and... You know, as a kid, the first thing you you know to do is lie. I mean, even if you don't need to, you know, you're like, oh, I'm not going to say this. But it was always one of those things where I could immediately say what I thought. And I mean, not that I didn't get in some. I mean, I remember skipping school once on a Tuesday. She called the house, my house to talk to my brother, my older brother. And she was like, what are you doing at home? And immediately I was like, I'm skipping school. And because my brother and sister were such fuck ups, she goes, no, you're not. Put your brother on the phone. I'm like, holy fuck. I just got away with that. Because I mean, one, I think she saw me as like the only like good kid, but two, it was like, it's a Tuesday. I'm clearly skipping school. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it was, it was always that like feeling. I was like, oh, I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Like what's the good. I mean, I, and it, it always like, 
She taught me a good example of women to could, like. Could she see through you? Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, and because again, I'm not that good of a liar, yeah. and so I mean, especially with her, you know, I mean, she'd always be like, you know, that's. I mean, and she'd call me on it, and that's the other thing. There's always a basic human, or maybe it's American. I don't know. I, I didn't see it a lot in France, but there, there's a basic human, you know, kind of tick to go. Even if you think something slightly bullshit, you're like, okay, roll with it. Just roll with it. It's not worth it. Yeah. She didn't do that. I mean, at least not with me. She'd be like, no, that's not true. I'm like, yeah, fuck, no, it's not. That's like, how, you know, that's how mom should be. Yeah. And, and I always respected that. It is. It's something their ability to just cut to the core of it. Yeah. You know, to see through the bullshit and say like, you know what? Stop lying. And and yeah. And there, and there's, there's the selfish part to where like, I would love for her to sit in the high tower and be like, this is yours. Like, yeah. this is you. Like, I mean, a lot of what the high tower is based off is she was from San Antonio and Austin. That's like, you know, my father was Czech. We take some Eastern European influences, but mostly, I mean, it gets bastardized through the filter and grinding machine that's our kitchen. Yeah. But what's hilarious is that a lot of our food starts out as Mexican food, you know, <laughs> yeah. and San Antonio based because that's what she loved. Yeah. I mean, my wife and I, Joy, we went down to San Antonio, I think two month, a month or two ago, and we went to Teca Molina, which is this little hole in wall Mexican food place. It's, dude, it's like lard incarnate in a good way. Yeah. I, I don't oh, mean sure, that in the negative sure, yeah. way. I mean that in the good way to where they still have the balls to serve it. And it's the best fucking food. And it's the food she went to when she was a kid. And the, besides the fact that I, I think it's a good restaurant, the only reason I go there is because when I sit there, I go, my mom sat in this restaurant. That is, I, there's, and I'm sitting there with my kids and there's, there's not a value you can place on that. I mean, yeah. there's not a, if I only had one more day wish placed on that, it's going, this is who I am. This is who I'm going to create around me. And when we created the high tower, you know, Vic obviously put a lot of himself in it, but that's the part of myself that I put in it and went this, you know, and we talk about measuring, you know, your purpose and, you know, the, the sacrifices you make. And it's like, well, I mean, it's all got to be out there. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's a huge thing and it's, it's, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it, it I mean, I don't know. It's an amazing feeling. I mean, yeah. and it's an amazing feeling that she gave me and that I, you know, I mean, even when I was 16 and a complete asshole, because every 16 year old is, you know, I still remembered going, you know, they're pretty cool. My yeah. mom's, my mom's a badass, you know, and, and it was a great feeling. It's amazing, man. And I, I feel the same way about my mom and we'll, we'll talk about kind of that, um, off mic, but it's fine, you know. Two years, three years in the making, you've done an amazing job with the high tower. Every time I go in, drinks are good. Food is just, it's so fucking good. It's like Oasis, <laughs> right? Like common man, but yeah. yet nuanced and so skillful that you can't stop humming along. Yeah. Like that's just how I feel about it. Oh, it's I just, appreciate you know, it. And it's been a really great experience to see how far you've come and how East Austin has embraced no you're there the from early days so i really yeah. appreciate it uh, it's it's been a pleasure man and I'm, I'm so glad we get to sit and sit met mezcal talk about fugazi yeah. food fucking booze yeah chad i couldn't ask for a better chat man so no, thank you so thank much thank you very much i appreciate it mike appreciate it thanks brother well there you have it mr chad dolezal owner operator of the high tower austin one of the best restaurants in town best values best vibes and honestly if you think about chad himself as a guitar player man deeply 
influenced by Fugazi, Hot Water Music, the touring lifestyle. I kind of feel like the Hightower reflects these things, these DIY sensibilities. The food is filled with richness and heart and creativity, but it's never a pretentious. It's meant to please. It's meant to capture an audience. And I feel like that's the kind of guy Chad is. Not stuck up, not pretentious, not arrogant, like you so often find with chefs that are well-known in this city and many others. So it was great sipping some mezcal with you, Chad. I can't wait till this hot sauce comes out. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how many episodes of HBO series Oz you have left, or if you're thinking, man, I don't know if I prefer still rosé or sparkling rosé in such a time of confusion, please keep dancing.